everybody. Eric here with Smart Pot Fabric Planters, back with another episode of the Growing Revolution Smart Podcast. And today uh, we've got Milan Turner. He goes by ATL Grow on Instagram. Uh, he's got a real gardening passion, which is pretty undeniable when you're checking out his feed. Um, we wanted to get him on the podcast to talk about um, urban gardening his personal journey in gardening and without further ado milan welcome to the uh, podcast thanks for having me awesome so i read in a blog that you wrote that uh, your real gardening passion was triggered by the covid lockdown can you look back on that time and um you know what that what that did for you yeah absolutely um it started off really small to be honest um my wife was doing some grocery shopping and she was doing just one particular dish that required basil and you know typically we bought the processed basil either the clippings or the little tube of season you know basil seasoning and in those days of covid that's where it was really rough to find things in the grocery stores um our produce aisles were really bare. Um, and so that particular day, she'd been to two or three grocery stores and finally she saw a basil plant and she was like, well, I don't care, you know, what format it is in. I just need the basil for my dish. So she bought the plant and she picked off, you know, the leaves that she needed for that dish and just kind of set the plant there. and. You know, that was the days where you didn't leave your house much. So you're walking back and forth by the kitchen and you see the plant there and it's like, huh, I think I might want to try to keep it alive. And so it started off with me just kind of little water bit by bit every day. And the plant started to get all spindly and, you know, struggling. And um, I had another friend who's in the gardening and I, showed her a picture of it and she was like, yeah, it's leggy. And I was like, what? And she was like, your, your plant is leggy. I was like, Kim, speak English. What does that mean? <laughs> and she was like, your plant's searching for light. So it's getting long. It's supposed to be like bushy. And I was like, oh, okay. That's pretty simple, <laughs> you know? So, uh, put it in a good windowsill for it to get light and it, kind of started to do okay and look more like a plant is supposed to look, you know? And that really was kind of the start of the spark. Um, my grandmother, um, she lived here in Atlanta as well. Um, all, you know, most of my adult life, uh, sorry, childhood and adult life. And she had these giant wash tubs that lined her front yard and she grew peppers and tomatoes um a few other things uh just right in her front yard and you know COVID and the shortages really kind of shifted my mindset of thinking what do we do you know in the face of shortages um she had 10 kids and you know grew up in a completely different time and you know, we had these memories of her with potted meat and spam and stuff like that, because that was the kind of thing that they relied on coming out of the Great Depression and 
you know, having 10 kids to feed. But she had this knack for always having enough food, no matter who stopped by, no matter the time of day, <laughs> you know, you went there and she was going to have a meal for you. Um, she fed the church, she fed the neighborhood, you know, and it just, it made me think how did, could she do so much with so little, you know, and that just made me start thinking about preparing things, you know, differently and having multiple sources and access to food. Um, and from there I started, like I said, the, with the basil and then I went to my big box store and I bought some oregano, some thyme, some parsley, just all the common herbs and the kids and I built a little shelf to put out on the back patio. Um, and we went from one, <laughs> one little basil plant to a fresh herb rack. And that was the start of the journey, which spiraled out of control from there. Yeah, that's kind of how most people's garden, uh, gardening journeys go. It, it starts with one, maybe two plants, and then uh, it just spirals from there, and pretty soon you're surrounded by them. So, uh, but yeah, kudos to you for you know thinking about your food security, because um, yeah, when COVID started, like you know you didn't know, you know how long the lockdown was going to last. You didn't know, uh, you know, if you were going to be able to get food. Uh, I started my victory garden, so it's good that you uh, started yours too. Um, so a lot of people have heard of the term food desert, and I was wondering if you could describe what that means to you and, you know, are things getting better or worse in your area as far as you can tell? So Atlanta is uh, defined as a region that's classified as a food desert and a food desert, uh, the common uh, nomenclature for it, it's an area that has a lack of easy access to fresh foods and vegetables. Um, and there are different categories. You will hear it broken down to a neighborhood that doesn't have uh, fresh food within a mile or two miles. The range varies, right? But um, there were multiple regions of Atlanta that were really high percentage, like 50, 60% around 2015. Uh, and the city really started to pay attention to that, you know? And so we live lives of convenience and we became over-reliant on grocery stores, right? But you couldn't just necessarily pop up a grocery store everywhere and quickly change the environment. So sure. the city has started to do um, many initiatives to do pop-up farmer's markets. Nice. So from 2015 to, I think the last report I read was uh, 2020, where that number has increased to somewhere around 70% of people now have fresh access within a mile or two miles. Nice. Um, and so gardening, starting my own garden, you know, it kind of opened my eyes up to having access, you know, to fresh food. So I had access to a grocery store within probably a mile and a half from my house. 
but I'm also fortunate enough that I have a car, you know, I have a good job. So I never really worried about food or access to food prior to COVID, you know, and, but what that opened my eyes up to was not everybody else was as, as, as fortunate, you know? So if you're on public transportation, you can't just, you know, go grab a sprig, a pack of basil, you know, you've got to be able to schedule your trips and haul grocery back and forth. And, uh, you know, so that just made things a, a lot more challenging. I mean, if you look at the, the environment of Atlanta and how the corporations and the big stores distribute themselves, uh, some of the bigger, more well-known, um, grocery stores, there are some that don't even service the Southern half of the city. So those environments rely on, you know, they'll have the Kroger's and the Publix in semi-close areas, but they're not on every, you know, major interchange or exchange like you see in some cities. Um, And so that was a big, big problem for Atlanta. Um, One of the coolest initiatives that I saw um, with our public transportation is called MARTA. They set up um, vegetable stands inside the actual train stations. So people who are already going back and forth to work, going wherever, they had these station, these um, basically farm stands right inside the train station. So things like that the city has done has really improved things. Nice. Um, so it's awesome to see the focus on that. And just what I learned from gardening and the passion that you know I grew from that is I want to take that a step further. You know, I want everybody to just grow something, you know, get in the habit of growing, growing herbs. You don't have to go all out like I did. You know, I'm obsessed, but we need to get back into the practice of growing and having food close to home at home, if at all possible. Yeah. I mean, prior to a couple, you know, 100 200 years ago most people grew a good chunk of the food that they consumed and now you know i'd say maybe like one percent of our population even comes close to that most of us are totally reliant on on the supermarket so even if we can cut away just uh you know five percent of what we would spend in the grocery store you know growing that at home that's money we save in our pocket that we can put towards other things uh, that food's going to be more nutritious. So, um, you know, uh, shout out to you for, you know, making that a focus. And I, I really think that, um, you know, urban growers are where we, you know, as a company, Smart Pots should be focusing our attention because most urban people, you know, don't have a whole lot of uh, soil to even plant into. So, container gardening is kind of what they're they're relegated to so if they're going to be you know uh confined to a container they might as well be using the best container uh smart pots so uh when you started your garden uh were there any mistakes that you made looking back on it oh yes i made a ton of mistakes um i am that urban gardener that you just spoke about i was uh we were living in a condo in a townhome i'm sorry um, 
no true green space. I had probably about a 10 by 14 concrete patio, <laughs> right? And so I had no yard, nowhere to plant stuff directly, um, but we weren't using the patio, right? So I'd been there probably seven years uh, pre-COVID and in the that first month of gardening, I spent more time out there on that patio than I did all the previous seven years combined, you know? Right. And it just wasn't something I thought about. And I, you know, before I really started doing research, even if I had wanted to, I would have never considered that I could have a garden, you know, on concrete. Um, and so I started off with the self-watering um, planter boxes and completely overpacked those things. I was looking at the picture on the package and they were saying, you can do all of this plants or have this many plants. And I was so disconnected from my food sources that I had no idea what mature plants look like, right? So the boxes were something along the lines of 20 by 24 inches. So almost two square feet, uh, four square feet. And in each one, I had a tomato, a cucumber, a squash, a flower, and a pepper, right? And if you know anything about gardening, squash alone would fill up that box, right? For sure. So For sure. I got them all planted, and I'm super proud because I've got the little seedlings from the big box store. And, you know, when I first planted them, it looked like there was plenty of room, you know? And uh, about two weeks in, it's like, oh, yeah, things are starting to grow. And they found the fertilizer, right? And uh-huh. about a month, I've got squash leaves that are bigger than both of my hands put together. Yeah, It's like, huh, I don't really know how this is going to work now. <laughs> and then at week six, it's just busting out. And I'm so proud. But I also realized this isn't going to work. So did the squash win out over the other plants then? Did it just shade out the other ones? They completely shaded it out, but you know, I call myself being smart. The planters are on wheels. I just turned them so that the squash is on the back end so that the smaller plants were getting the sun, but that didn't quite fix it. (laughs) So the, uh, the squash actually start putting out fruit. The uh, cucumbers started putting out fruit and everything else was kind of struggling, but I still thought I was kind of doing okay. And then the squash was like, okay, too much stress. And it started to limp, go limp. And the other stuff started to struggle. And uh, that's when I was like, all right, I need to kind of figure out what's going on here. And that's kind of where I started to learn more about plant spacing. Um, and I spent some time looking at a square foot gardening, um, just looking at the recommendations and they're like, yeah, you need like four square feet for one squash plant, <laughs> you know, and two square feet for the tomatoes that I had. And I was like, so I had all this stuff crammed in this box. And so I finally made a decision to take out the, um, the squash and no joke. As soon as I did that everything just took off so you know still tight because you can get away with planting pretty densely but not if you've got a heavy feeder like that and you know that was 
it, that was the biggest learning um, component for me was learn about your plants, you know, look at, see how, how big they're going to go, you know, not just laterally, but vertically as well. Uh, the other one I did was uh, okra, which I completely fell in love with um, seeing the okra flowers and, you know, they're growing well, but I didn't know that okra gets six, eight feet tall, you know, so I've got this little patio and these boxes and okra that I, you know, dang near need a ladder to go up and pick. And if you know about okra, if you don't pick it every day, you know, every two days, it gets super long and super woody. And so you got to harvest it. So that became a challenge. So I just, I learned a ton really, really quickly, but you know, the, the thing is just make sure you're looking at your, your seed packets or your, your plant tags and get a better understanding of what the mature plants are going to look like and do before you plant them. Yeah. I, I, a lot of growers seem to love, uh, the square foot, uh, gardening method. And really, I think, um, it, it makes total sense because you don't, you don't want to overcrowd your garden because you're going to get, you know, roughly the same overall yield if you just kind of space things out. So, uh, so um, getting into smart pots uh, specifically, you won our four by eight urban raised bed uh, in a contest that we had uh, last year and you got to plant it up this spring. Uh, how did that construction go for you and what are you growing in there currently? Yeah, it was awesome. I think I won that contest from um, a contest that you did with uh, Callie Kim, uh, who I've learned a ton from. I watched her videos, you know, pretty early on. Um, and so, you know, that was also one of those things I wanted and it, it shipped out and I opened it in the living room and my wife is looking at me like, what in the world are you going to do with that? And I was like, I don't really know, but I'll figure something out um, because it was it was big, so big it would have covered up the full patio. Um, For sure. And no joke, like two weeks after that, we found out we had an uh, an opportunity to either buy our current place or yeah, we found out we had an opportunity to buy the current place we were in because we were renting. And at that time, I just had a newfound appreciation for being outside and completely obsessed with gardening at that point. And we said, well, let's, let's go ahead and look and see, you know, what else is out there. And, um, the Atlanta real estate market was crazy at that time. And it, it still is crazy, but, uh, we quickly found a, a home that we fell in love with, um, almost a half acre of property. And so I went nice. from no, <laughs> no line to a half acre to take care of. Um, but going into that, I knew that I needed, I wanted a space for gardening. I mean, I went into it looking at how the yard was situated, what my growing environment would be. Yeah. And, um, which, so which I, way I, is facing South so you can, you know, plot your plants accordingly. I was in every house we looked at. I was out there with my phone and the compass checking the orientation of the backyard, like no joke. I was that serious about it. And so fell in love with this place, uh, that we actually went on to, um, to purchase. Um, and so, you know, as soon as I saw it, I had this dream of just this backyard, just filled with 
you know, traditional gardening and different types of gardening. But uh, the same day, I, I learned that it was on a, uh, a septic system, right? And so it's got a um, rear drain field and that just doesn't match with, you know, in-ground gardening, especially you can, be, you have to be really careful with um, gardening in that environment. But I did a little bit more research and learned that if you're strategic with placement, raised beds can be the solution. And so that's where I was like, okay, I'm going to go up um, the level and away from the septic system. So there's no risk of contamination. Everything drains away. And um, I went with the built out the big four by eight uh, smart pots bag. And it, you hear four by eight, but you don't really <laughs> feel it until you open that thing up. And uh, so I got it, um, went and got the PVC from the big box store and got the connectors and it was a breeze to set up. You know, you was literally just cutting the PVC, which a simple PVC cutter, no power tools or nothing, you know? So that went really well. Um, Another advantage to that one over my, because I also installed two um, other metal raised beds, those I had to level out and make sure the ground was, you know, suitable for the, for that. But with the smart pots, I did an experiment. I was like, well, the ground is, is close to level. It's not exact. It's got a slope to it, but with the, with the bags being fabric, you know, I could control kind of the grade. So I intentionally did not level that spot. And sure enough, I then, as I filled it in with the compost, I leveled off the compost. So it was actually significantly less work setting that bed up as opposed to um, the metal beds. Um, and so I planted that out. I did that as a early round brassica bed because I was still trying to get my, um, the metal bed set up. So I planted collards, broccoli, cauliflower, cabbage, couple varieties of kale. I put like a lot of stuff in it and have had absolutely amazing harvest. Um, that area gets a little bit more shade than the metal beds. But I actually think that worked into my favor because that limits it to probably, I think it's right at six hours of full sun. Um, and that has gotten me uh, really, really great results. And I, when I compare that to my neighbors and some of my other friends who are growing stuff, they have not been able to get their broccoli and their cauliflower and stuff to head. And sure enough, I've got really, really good size, um, broccoli. Um, I've got a cabbage that I need to pull, but I've kind of being greedy and seeing how big I can get it to be. So I'm going to have that one ready for display pretty soon. Nice. Nice. Uh, so you've used other, um, fabric bags in the past. Have you noticed any difference between like smart pot fabric and, and the, uh, the other ones? Absolutely. Uh, being completely honest, you know, you start out with gardening and you're experimenting and you're not always willing to invest, you know, into the better stuff going, starting just out. And 
sure. I like a lot of people, I jumped on Amazon and you know, I saw that 10 pack of bags for whatever it was, 20 bucks. And it was just okay. I quickly found out that those, those rot, um, faster and I get more of the, the mildew or the buildup, you know, on the outside and something that urban growers to often have to deal with is we have to move stuff around. We have to resituate stuff. You know, we have to shift it over here because there's more light here, or, you know, yep. those things. And that's where, um, bags are really, really convenient for urban growers. And when you get those, you know, five, 10 gallon bags and those straps start breaking on you, that bag is pretty much useless at that point. And so I've got a couple of the 15 gallon, uh, smart pot bags with the built in handle and those nice. are rock solid. Um, nice. so yeah, that makes a tremendous difference. Yeah, it, it's hard to tell the difference between fabrics online. You know, fabric kind of looks like fabric, but yeah, the we uh, the the company spent like a decade tinkering, you know, to get the fabric just right. And uh, yeah, the the knockoffs they might you know get you close, but I'd say the main difference is strength and longevity. Um, mm -hmm. You know, for for any growers who are thinking, oh, you know, should I get a knockoff or a smart pot? Well, you're going to have to replace that knockoff much sooner than the smart pot. So your cheaper bag just became your more expensive bag when you have to replace it. So Absolutely. be smart from the get-go and, and get your plants in a smart pot. So thanks for that testimonial. Appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, completely. Um, so, um, so getting into... Uh, Kind of demographics of like who you know we're reaching out to as a company uh like i said before like the urban grower is who i think we should really be concentrating on um how do you think companies like smart pot you know um gardening companies can reach out to to the urban market to you know i guess make them aware of how important it is to be you know growing your own or you know, just to be getting in front of people. What What are your thoughts on that? So I actually think you all have been doing a really, really great job of, on that already. I've seen the, um, the raised beds. I've seen how you use those at some schools and community centers, um, spaces that don't have a lot of green space, um, but like setting up the raised beds on concrete. You know, that's a, that's a great option for people that don't have a ton of space and that really falls in line with kind of what I've identified as my mission is, you know, showing that you don't have to have this ideal environment. We get so caught up in thinking I've got to have this perfect level yard and I've got to have exactly, you know, 10 hours of sunlight, you know, we get so locked into that and it's just not the case. You know, we, we need good environments, but so many of us have access to good environments or that are suitable enough to grow something, you know, yeah. herbs and, and leafy greens that don't require, um, eight hours of sun or full sun, you know, little things like if it gets three hours of sun here, three hours of sun there, that's enough to sustain a lot of, um, 
vegetables and that's where like i say the smart pots and being able to move them from one spot to the other or to be able to sit on concrete or to sit on any type of uh, a rack like a shelf unit like that i built out with my kids um the urban environment just requires flexibility you know um and you know we've all got some space that we can do something with and your range of size also helps um that's kind of been where i'm trying to learn the right size for the right plant now i've kind of gotten myself into some situations with those two of uh planting the wrong si wrong type of plant in the wrong size bag but the thing that i've seen about that too is it's really easy to recover so if you you put the wrong size herb plant in a three pot uh three gallon smart pot they are super easy to just remove you know peel away the roots at the edge and upsize to a seven and the plant just takes off all over again so that's something that i have had some experience with yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, like kind of going along those lines, uh, if people are wondering what size, you know, smart pot they should use for a given crop, uh, just type into Google, what size smart pot should I use? And it'll take you right to a FAQ page uh, on our website, basically. But, you know, we recommend, I'd say, you know, like a 15 or a 20 gallon for a tomato plant. But, you know, if all you have is a 10 gallon, you know, throw that tomato in there and yeah, you won't get as big of a harvest as, you know, if you had used a 15 or a 20, but something's better than nothing. And, you know, like you were saying, not every gardening situation is going to be perfect, but, you know, just get out there and do the best with what you've got and something's better than nothing. So I'm right there. Absolutely. With you. Absolutely. So uh, you're in Atlanta, which is a, you know, pretty mild, um, environment uh are you using a planning system to take advantage of planting the the right crops at the right time are you trying to you know extend that season as much as possible so that's where i have to remind myself that i am still by every other metric uh, still a beginner gardener right so i uh i was able to take off with the spring summer gardening that's easy stuff you know you just mm -hmm. put the stuff out you get plenty of sun Keep them watered and they're good and this is really the first year um, after the move that i started to spend a little bit more time looking at what can be grown in the different seasons uh, and so that's where like i mentioned my brassicas i started them uh, a few weeks before our last frost and so they did really well mm -hmm. um i do need to do something about them now because we're going to hit the 90s pretty consistently from here on but yeah that's um i haven't found a true you know automated type system but i've been more mindful of looking at the uh planning charts from like the farmer's almanac and getting it more in line with the i guess you would say the seasons and and what those planting dates are uh the other thing that i'm trying to do much better about is um succession planting and how that lines up with taking advantage of the seasons as well i kind of have a all or nothing mindset and that can get me in trouble sometimes so i think oh i've got all my spring summer stuff you know started and planted uh but i've got like months you know 
tomatoes and peppers, they'll grow all the way until the frost hits, but we don't hit frost until typically late October, um, early November. So I need to start, you know, some more plants and, uh, getting more seeds, um, planted for that. And then making sure I'm prepared for the fall. And the, the big thing I want this year, I want homegrown collard greens for Thanksgiving dinner. That is my, <laughs> that's the thing I'm looking forward to. I want to show up, Hey, I grew these, I cooked these and, you know, walk away. <laughs> yeah. 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 As the Thanksgiving champion. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nice. So, um, you know, between work and uh, the garden, I'm sure that consumes most of your time. What are you doing when you're not uh, in the garden? If I'm not in the garden, my kids will tell you I'm out in the uh, out in the yard, cutting the grass, revamping this yard. We took over a, um, a older yard that needed some TLC. And it, other than that, I just, I, I spend as much time as possible with my kids. Uh, my oldest son just graduated from high school and, um, my daughter just completed her freshman year, um, in high school and she is a tremendous soccer fan. So we spend a lot of time, you see the posters, we're big Atlanta United fans and big, uh, premier league soccer fans. So we're, we're outside <laughs> all the time. <laughs> Well, uh, you know, I think um, it was really cool getting to know you. Uh, you know, you always have an idea of, you know, who somebody is by checking out their, you know, their social feed. And um, I'd, I'd have to say my, my impression of you from social is like pretty much right on, you know, uh, talking to you here. So uh, you're, you're, you're keeping it real online and uh, you're, you're, your gardening journey is fun to watch. So um, we're going to be, you know, checking you out in the future. And we wanted to uh, thank you for coming on the show and, and talking with us. So uh, thanks, Milan. Uh, really great to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed it.